When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am Smitty. No Tyler with me this week, so I had to enlist the help. Some other guys from the DK Pittsburgh Sports family, Danny Shirey, Eddie Provident. What is going on, fellas? What's going on, man? Howdy, it's gentlemen. Been a, it's been a while since I've been on camera. I know. <laughs> this is, a, is this a weird feeling for you? Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you're, you know, you're normally on the other side of this now. I, I know. I know. It's. I'm, I'm normally producing, and now I'm trying to figure out what i'm gonna say and make it sound good i haven't had to do that in a while well at least so, the uh at least the beard's looking nice thank you thank you it's back yeah finally, i man. hope you didn't do this on our occasion what's that <laughs> the beard looking as good as it does i hope that's, you didn't that's do it on every our day occasion. man that's every day okay well you know what's not every day or tom I guess brady retiring now yeah we're gonna talk i don't really care about that the people that listen <laughs> don't care about that we'll get into that uh, but baseball is back, and that's where we're going to start the show in this first segment. Does it mean anything really differently for the Pirates? This new CBA, what can we expect, not from just the team this season, but going forward in future years, like this new agreement, what impact does this have on Pirates baseball? That's where I want to start. Very right. little. Very little in a positive <laughs> manner is what I will say, at least at least on a on a grand scale. But uh, go, go ahead, Eddie. Um, I, I honestly, I mean, I, I think it's just going to be the same thing for Major League Baseball with the small market teams. If you've noticed on uh, on social media recently uh, with the reporters talking, they're actually not shying away from using the term smaller markets now. And uh, with the the way that the money broke down, um, I believe the luxury tax ceiling went up $20 million. Uh, yeah. So all that does in my mind is make it easier for teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees, um, you know, the Padres lately, these teams that spend a ton of money. Uh, it just makes it easier for them to spend more money and not get penalized for it, which puts the smaller market teams like the Pirates and the A's and the Rays uh, at a disadvantage. I just, you know, I, I just think it's gonna be more of the same. Um, I think the Pirates are going to be competitive in two and two or three years, but I think that that's because they've built up their form system. And I think we're going to see the same thing that happened in 2013 where they're good for a few years and then they have to sell everyone off because, you know, they, they spent their window. Uh, the only saving grace with this is that the one game playoff is gone and they expanded the playoffs to 12 teams. So maybe yeah. that gives a team like the Pirates a little bit more hope. But other than that, man, I'm I'm pretty discouraged about it and pretty – apathetic as a baseball fan right now 
no no rule five draft this year, so that's good for the Pirates because right. there were a lot of tough calls there as well. But like with what you said with the expanded playoffs, that's really the only thing for me to look at. And you mentioned like the two to three years the Pirates could be good. We saw the last time where they built up that window of contention. That only lasted three seasons that they mm-hmm. had to try to maximize those th- that three year window. But I think with this new playoff format. Maybe that two or three years is like four or five years because of that, where they have a little bit of a window of contention there. But yeah, in terms of like retaining players or anything like that, there's really nothing in this new CBA that's going to benefit a team like the Pirates or change their course of action. The only thing that I'll say to that is, and DK, you know, wrote an entire article about it, made it free for everybody to read, is Bob Nutting voted yes for this as well. If that's the case, if he's okay with this agreement, he's going to open up his wallet. Yeah. And he's got to operate the exact same way as the, these all owners should be operating the same way if they're all voting yes, no. I mean, that's the way I look at it. I agree. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree with with both of you. And and even just thinking in terms of the the casual baseball observer, I mean, it it's so hard to be engaged and and stay so motivated to be engaged with the sport when, you know, teams like the Yankees or the Dodgers can go out there and and throw hundreds of millions of dollars at a player. And meanwhile, you know, uh, a Royals fan or a Pirates fan is sitting there and it's like, all right, like who can we sign that's going to cost over $10 million that's going to be worth watching this year? And as you guys both pointed out, there's nothing in the CBA that's going to change that moving forward. No, and, and uh, if I could pull a tweet from the other day, um, uh, this was actually yesterday, uh, John Heyman, um, MLB reporter, uh, said that he heard from a small market GM concerned by the big market Giants' ability to give a $44 million uh, contract over two years plus an opt-out to Carlos Rodon. Uh, especially now that the luxury tax threshold is up $20 million to $230 million, it'll be harder for the little guy to compete, that GM said. And that's exactly what we're talking about right now. Even the GMs are acknowledging it now, that it's going to be harder for the smaller teams to compete. Um, you're really going to have to build your team through the draft. You're really going to have to uh, take advantage of guys that you can't re-sign and let them go in a trade You know, maybe a year or two before you'd like to um, when their, when their uh, value is high. Take a guy, and I hate to say this, but let's take a look at Brian Reynolds. Um, yeah, I knew this is going. Yeah, this is actually where I wanted to pivot to, so this is perfect. Yeah, uh, Brian Reynolds has got four years left uh, under his first contract. His six, you know, his, his uh, six years before he hits uh, free agency. Um, if you're the Pirates now, because you can't compete with these other big, you know, with these big market teams, um, do you maybe look at if you can't re-sign um, Brian Reynolds now? Like this year, do you maybe look at trading him a year or two earlier than you normally would? No, I'm going to stop you there, Eddie. (laughs) I I completely get it. And I am always in in all facets in favor of maximizing the utility of your assets. So I, you know, if if guys are on expiring contracts, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, you need to be looking to move that guy, especially if he's not going to help you in the immediate term. But in the Pirates case and, and that, how they go through these cycles where it's 10, 15 years of stacking mm-hmm. the pipeline to maybe capture lightning in a bottle for three or four years at tops, right? At some point, they are going to have to retain guys, even if it's not going to be the most uh, you know, you know, valuable to them. They're going to have to start hanging on to guys like Reynolds. No, and at, I at agree with point. you. Yeah, uh, to, at some point he he might be past his prime, but there's going to be a time where guys like Cruz and Gonzalez and and um, <clears throat> uh, 
Henry Davis, but I I, I couldn't think of his name. Well, yeah, Hayes as well. But like all those guys, when those guys are ready to compete, it can't just be them. It's going to have to be guys like Reynolds that have not necessarily been there before, but have had that experience at a high level. Yeah, I I agree with that 100%. And to be clear, I'm not saying that the Pirates should trade Brian Reynolds. What I'm saying is it's going to force smaller market teams to act more like the Rays do when the Rays just (laughs) they trade guys away right at their you know at their peak value and get as much for them as they can and they just keep hey, reloading. Well, but speaking of the Rays though, kind of broke their own mold with that Wander Franco deal. No, so. yeah, for sure, for sure. But for the most part that's how they've operated. And yeah. all I'm saying is now all this collective bargaining agreement is going to do as much as I agree with everything you just said Danny, what this CBA is going to do is force teams like the Pirates to consider that stronger and more often. More strongly, I should say. So wrap up and then we got we'll transition after a break here. Quick question. Is Brian Reynolds on the opening day roster for the Pirates? One hundred percent, yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. Hey, the Marlins are coming aggressively. I don't know how aggressively, but we've heard their name linked to him for like eighteen months now. So <laughs> yeah, well, had to ask. Mariners too, right? I keep seeing the Mariners. Yeah, but it's it, the Marlins have been, like I said, yeah. consistently since twenty twenty, really. So yeah, but uh, all right. Yeah. When we come back, we're going to talk about football. You mentioned Tom Brady coming back. I don't know why you had to open up the show like that and just put a just dampen the mood right off the bat. But uh, we're going to talk about that's some my wife. Stuff. That's what I'm good at. <laughs> the quarterback <laughs> dominoes starting to fall for the Steelers. Not ended up with one of those big fish as we expected. But we'll talk about that and more. This is around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. And welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That's not Tyler. That is Danny and Eddie. And we're back. We're talking about, Danny, hold your horses on the Pens talk. It's not happening yet. We're talking about the Steelers right now. Uh, some more quarterback dominoes starting to fall. So for the Steelers, no Aaron Rodgers. No Russell Wilson. No Tom Brady coming out of retirement to play for the Steelers. But he will be back in Tampa for at least one more year. I mean... Are we to the point now where it's just like Mason Rudolph? Or I mean, So let me ask you guys a question. Is it going to be free agency, draft, or both for the Steelers? Because they're adding quarterbacks somewhere. All right, I have so, a lot to say, so I'm going to let Danny go first. Well, I was just going to pose the question of or uh, the hypothetical of the Steelers taking a, a quarterback in the draft and then Mason still ending up as the, as the day oh. one starter. Because I, See, if I, they go... If they go the Malik Willis route, that actually wouldn't shock me because he's or like a Desmond Ritter, um, because I think that both of those guys aren't like ready to start day one. Um, and I, I think if you take like a Kenny Pickett, he is, you know, we're talking about a guy that played six years of college football. He's older than a lot of guys that have already had NFL experience that are coming in as rookies last year. Um, so I, I think that Kenny Pickett is is like going to start day one. I think with those other two options I just mentioned, they wouldn't. And Mason Rudolph would be starting day one. And then you have the obviously the pushback from the fans and I get that, you know, we spent the 20th overall pick or, you know, say they move up even and get one of these guys on this guy and he's not going to start day one, you know, is that really the best asset management when he could have just used it on a lineman if the plan was to roll with Mason Rudolph to open the season anyway, you know, I, I get that argument as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I definitely see a scenario where Mason Rudolph is still a starter, even if they add a rookie quarterback for sure. 
I don't think they should be going after any of these big name quarterbacks. I don't I don't like the idea of giving up three draft picks for Deshaun Watson. I don't like Deshaun Watson for a whole other list of reasons. And I'm not this is a sports show, so I'm not going to get into all the personal stuff. But I, I just don't think that uh that he's from a football standpoint, I don't think that there's very many players that are worth three first round draft picks plus. Because if that's if that's the starting ask and somebody mm-hmm. say the Carolina Panthers are willing to give three first round picks. You have to outbid those first three those three first round picks. And if you're the Steelers, that means you have to give up more. Now, but, I, I really, do they have to do that though because of his no trade clause? I, I understand I, I understand that, but are you willing to give three first round picks up for a quarterback that already has about what four years of tread on the tires? Uh, and and was, hard tread too. It's not just like he he didn't sit back there pretty, you know, in a, in a nice pocket. He's a he he was a runner. Um, you know, he, he has a great arm. I mean, like we all know what Deshaun Watson is, but it's not like the years that he spent in the NFL were were spent uh, not getting hit. Yeah, so absolutely, I, I understand that. Yeah, 2017, by the way, was his draft year. So okay, so yeah, we're three or four years in the NFL. Yeah. I think any trade for a guy like Watson or any of the any of the other top quarterbacks that have been rumored to be going to the Steelers at any point over the past however many months, you have to consider whether or not the Steelers are a quarterback away from being, you know, legitimate Super exactly. Bowl contenders. And I'm not so sure they are. And the biggest reason why is that I don't trust, you know, half of that offensive line, maybe even more. Half. Well, that, that's being generous. I'm trying not to be a hater here, but the the reality is that even outside of the offensive line, they've got holes elsewhere in their lineup that you know it might not be deal breakers for them being Super Bowl contenders. They have but two I, corners on 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 their roster right now that are signed. Right. So my point being is that if you are not absolutely shored up in every other position that you possibly can be before you're going after these guys and moving three first round picks and probably more on top of that, I just don't see the value in doing so because you might put yourself in another position where you're right on the cusp for the next few years. And by the time you've got those assets recouped, you're going to be past your window for the guys that you had on your on your roster at the time. Now, I understand that argument. I, I, the only, and I'm not even saying that I disagree, disagree with it. My response to that, though, would be okay, I look at this roster right now and I understand that there's definitely a lack of talent in a lot of spots. But I think that the Steelers, the difference with the Steelers as opposed to those teams that around the league that also have a lack of talent is they have the high end talent, the TJ Watt in his prime right now, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward in his last couple years. I think I'm not saying I'm not advocating for a Watson trade, but I am advocating for them to be aggressive when it comes to the quarterback position. Cause if you don't have a quarterback, you have nothing. And by the time that they find the next franchise guy, Najee Harris, great running back, but he's a running back. They have a very short shelf life. Like I just mentioned, Cam Hayward in his last couple seasons here. I don't know how much longer he has. I don't know that he knows how much longer he has. TJ Watt in his prime, Minka in his prime. You just got Deontay Johnson needs a new contract after this year. Pat Frymouth, you got a really good tight end. I mean, I think that if you're not going to be aggressive at quarterback, what is the point of having a couple of those guys? So, so, but my counter to that would be, okay, so say, Let's just say they go after Russell Wilson, right? Let's say they yep. let, let's let's use that as the as the framework for what the Steelers would have given up. Because he didn't come with the off the field questions. Right. Yeah. 
Well, that, but not only that, like, you know, we, we know what he makes. We know what Aaron Rodgers makes. We, you know, we, we have a, a good idea of what these big time quarterbacks make. You said that Deontay Johnson needs a new deal. Yeah. Um, you, we have two corners. You know, we we just said that the Steelers have two cornerbacks on their on their roster right now. Uh, yeah. They have a severe question mark at inside linebacker. They have huge question marks all over the offensive line. Where's all that cap space coming from? If you sign a quarterback to a twenty five well, thirty million dollar deal, I don't listen. And I'm not like trying to downplay what you're saying, but with this new deal that the the NFL just got, especially with like Amazon and all these other partners coming in, this the cap went up back up and normalized actually went up three million more than they were projecting that it would it's going to go up again another like 20 million next like this thing's just going to keep ballooning no, I, and I, these 35 million dollar quarterbacks are going to be but a all bargain. that's yeah but those 35 million dollar quarterbacks are going to be a bargain but now these receivers are going to want more these linemen are going to want more everybody's going to want more because the cap's going up so i, I while i understand what you're saying uh if you look at just at the last 10 years how much uh contracts have have grown and ha- have gotten bigger every year. Somebody's breaking a record when it comes to signing a new deal. So yeah. the, these guys, none of these guys are going to get any cheaper. And so I, I'm of the opinion that if you have a quarterback that's taking up more than 15, 16% of your cap space, you're really putting your team at a disadvantage to, to, to build around that quarterback. Um, I'm going to be really interested to see like what the chiefs do with, with Patrick Mahomes when his new deal kicks in. Because That's they're going to season, yeah, yeah. So they're they're going to have some problems. I would rather see the Steelers. If we're looking for a a new franchise quarterback, I would rather see the Steelers stick with Mason Rudolph this year. I wouldn't even sign Mitch Trubisky. I wouldn't spend any money on a quarterback uh, from outside the organization because the quarterbacks that they're realistically looking at: Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky, uh, Jacoby Brissett. Um, Who's another one I heard? Uh, Tyrod Taylor is another name that I, I heard thrown around a little bit. Uh, these guys aren't guaranteed to beat Mason Rudolph out. So why spend $8 million on Marcus Mariota if he's not even going to be the starting quarterback for your football team? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that anybody that they bring... See, I said the same thing about Brissett. To me, I, I think that Trubisky or Mariota would be so like that's but yeah See, but how much of an upgrade right but, I, but I here's the that. thing mason rudolph has had a year in matt canada's system okay <clears throat> when i when i was at training camp last year the the offense that mason rudolph and dwayne haskins ran was miles different than the offense that ben roethlisberger was running there is some truth to what mason rudolph has been saying in the media and saying in interviews about the offense was different last year this past season because Ben was tied to certain certain things about that offense. Things that when you're a Hall of Fame quarterback that's been in the league for 18 years, you can get away with saying, no, I'm, I'm going to run it this way. Well, Mason Rudolph, I think, fits Matt Canada's actual offense better. And I'm not saying that Matt Canada's actual offense is going to be much better than what we saw because it, you, you got to prove it. But I think that Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins are both better fits. I think Josh Dobbs is a better fit than what Ben Roethlisberger was. I'm not saying they're better quarterbacks. They're better fits for that offense. So I'm interested to see someone like Mason Rudolph, somebody like Dwayne Haskins, whoever that ends up being, in a Matt Canada offense where they're getting back to the the motion that we saw in training camp and we're getting back to the four wides that we saw in training camp and we're getting back to the zone blocking schemes that we saw in training camp with an offensive line that you rebuild through the draft and free agency. And then you build the defense out from there as well. 
that's what I want to see. There's two things. Well, okay. So my the first thing that I wanted to say on that was the the reason that people are linking Jacoby Brissett is the NC State connection with right. Matt Canada. Right. And so if that's going to be the case, if the argument is going to be just finding somebody that runs the offense better, well, then Jacoby Brissett does make sense. And but I is Brissett that, a better quarterback than Mason Rudolph, though? But if we're just talking about a guy that fits the system, because yeah. the whole thing was, we know Mason Rudolph's not a better quarterback than Ben, but he might fit the offense better. But again, right. Brissett might be the, the exact same case, but with Mason Rudolph, where he fits the offense better, even though he might not be a better quarterback. But it comes back to, do you want to spend X amount of money on Jacoby Brissett I to be a backup? I don't. I don't. Yeah. But, but what, the second part, but here, let me, let me because the second part of that was going to be, we have seen, and I don't know how much attention you guys have seen or how much attention you guys are paying to this on Twitter, on Instagram, whatever, with the, the players, literally players that are on the Steelers roster, liking tweets, saying things to the media about different quarterbacks that aren't Mason Rudolph. How do you think that they're going to feel if that's how, like, what is the confidence level of this team having Mason Rudolph as their quarterback? How, how do you go from Deontay Johnson liking tweets about Deshaun Watson coming to Pittsburgh, Ray Ray McLeod but, but let's be tweeting at him? And I, I mean, like that that's like saying, I mean, like, yeah, Deshaun Watson's a better quarterback. And if I'm a receiver, of course, I want Deshaun Watson over right. Mason Rudolph, but like, is it realistic? That that's the question. Najee Harris advocating for Jimmy G. I mean, there, I'm I'm not just talking about with receivers. I'm talking about yeah. like Cam Hayward saying, you know, why can't a rookie quarterback come into Pittsburgh and win right now? Pretty, like, you know. So pr- these guys yeah. are talking about all other options. Yeah, and and maybe they're seeing something that we don't. I don't know, but but I would still want to see I like I know everybody said Mason Rudolph had that year he had that chance to to be a starter that wasn't I mean let's be real that that wasn't you know he was kind of thrown into that on the fly he didn't have the he didn't have the off season to prepare he didn't have you know the luxury of of weeks of uh, of like film study like you would want to have your starting quarterback and the reps to come with the first team guys during the off season he didn't have any of that uh Chris Carter did a really good job breaking down uh, Mason Rudolph and his game against the Lions and pointing out that a lot of the issues that Mason Rudolph had were more timing and more, um, you know, mental mistakes than they were anything uh, physical. And he kind of posed the argument that maybe if Mason Rudolph had the time to prepare, if he was playing with the first string t- uh, offense in practice, and maybe he wouldn't be as bad. Again, he's not going. I, I don't think anyone here thinks Mason Rudolph is going to be a franchise quarterback. But if if you can build a team around him, I think he can get this team to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I'll stick my neck out there and say that while I, his overall performance in what was it, twenty nineteen, when he when he played those string yeah. of games, um, mm-hmm. but. W- he obviously wasn't great, but there were flashes where I was yeah. like, okay, like there, this is definitely a guy that has some of the tools and skills necessary to be successful at this position. Now, obviously, you know, anybody can go out there and have a good few series out there and, and make a couple of nice passes, but it was over that entire string where, yes, he, he failed to put it together at, at certain times, but there were also other times where you saw that skill that was there. And, you know, I'm, with the Steelers' current situation, I just I just don't see the the need to go get a, a Brissett or a or a Tyrod Taylor, or even a Mariota, even if they are going to be better than him right now, because it all goes back to you're either ready to compete for a Super Bowl or you're not, and I think that's the question. Listen you need to, to the add. man, Zach. Yeah, I th- I think that's but the question. Okay. You need. I- 
and but uh, here here's my biggest thing with with talking about Mason Rudolph not like getting a legit shot. He's had more of a shot than most third round picks at quarterback get. He's had plenty of time to show that he at, at least. And I understand that you're saying like some flashes in 2019. I understand he has a winning record or whatever as a starter or actually with the tie to the Lions. I, I don't even know what it is. The thing is, in every game that he won, the Steelers have given up an average of 13 points on defense. That's not going to happen with this defense in 2022. They're not going to have I, that same defense. Do you, do you, I mean, if they sign a cornerback or two and Brian Flores can get uh, Devin Bush figured out. I'm I, hearing a lot of ifs and that's two maybes. Ifs. That's and, two ifs. That's two ifs. Let's, let's be real here. This defense is going to be good. I don't know if they're going to be a top five defense in the NFL. It's going to be a good defense. They're going to, they're they building this team. Receiver. Yeah, they're, they're going to be, this team is going to be built on a really good defense and a really good running game. That really sets up uh, Mason Rudolph for as much success that Ma- as Mason Rudolph can have. Again, I don't think that's the Super Bowl, but I think that's a playoff team. Where the where are we getting the running game from? Najee Harris ran for twelve hundred yards last year. Yeah, averaging like what three yards a carry. <laughs> it, we just assuming that the offensive line is just going to be fixed because we want it to be fixed. Like, there's no guarantees that it's going to be any better, and it's certainly not going to be that's, as that's good as it my was. Point: You need to go out in free agency and spend money on your offensive line. They can, you need they can to go do out that, in the draft. Still might not be good. Yeah, but that but if you go out and get a Deshaun Watson, you go out and get a uh, an Aaron Rodgers or a Russell Wilson, you can't rebuild the offensive line like you want to rebuild the offensive line because you're taking half of the money, if not more, and you're taking draft picks away. Uh, the money can be manipulated in so many ways. You're really not. He costs thirty two million dollars this year, right? They could move that money around so easy to still be able. I mean, Jimmy G costs twenty five million. That's who people are talking about. Is the is the next best option. I don't think it's. I don't think Jimmy G's a good option either. I think. I think you work with what you have in house and and maybe draft a guy. I would if if Desmond Ritter's available in the, See, in the early this. second round. I I would I would trade up to get Desmond Ritter. If uh, if Malik Willis is around at twenty, which I don't think he's going to be, but if by some miracle Malik Willis falls to twenty, then yeah, take a quarterback. Kenny Pickett too. I would consider Pickett at twenty. But uh, I mean, outside of that, no, rebuild the offensive line, rebuild the defense, re- rebuild, like, you, you know, re-sign some wide receivers. I, don't worry about so what's quarterback the, what's, right the ho- what's the hope in 2022 then? Do you want my honest answer? Yeah. <laughs> the hope is that Mason Rudolph crashes and burns, they suck, and then they get a top 10 pick next year for, for, their, for their inevitable their franchise QB. So now imagine telling that to TJ Watt, Cam Hayward, Major Fitzpatrick, we're just going to take a year off of football, basically. Well, no, you you build around Mason Rudolph and hope that he does what does something, right? You hope that he doesn't crash the car into a brick wall. But I mean, as a fan, that's my hope. I I mean, I hope that they end up with a top ten pick next year. Well, it, I think that might be the most shrewd route to go, Eddie, because you either end up in a situation where you find out that Mason can fill that role and that right. you know he he can survive there and if they don't it's probably not going to end up going very well for the Steelers and they're going to end up middling through the pack or maybe even falling off to the lower half of the league and then that postures them better going into next season. Do you All right, let me ask you this. Zach, and, and I don't yeah. know you want to end this segment cuz this is your show. I'm not. But let <laughs> me ask you this. Do you think that there is a better percentage chance that Mason Rudolph throws for 25 to 30 touchdowns in 2022 or Malik Willis for the Pittsburgh Steelers throws 25 to 30 
touchdown passes for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2022. Rudolph. See, 20, 25 isn't even like that high of a number in the, in the league anymore. Right. But, so does, that, does, does uh, Malik Willis do it or does, uh, does Mason Rudolph do it? Who has a better chance? Rudolph. I think it's Rudolph. I think it's Rudolph because if it's Rudolph, that first round pick better have been going to something that you know helps Rudolph in some way, shape, or form. Okay, so if you're if you're the one talking about wanting to win win now, then you just said it yourself that Rudolph gives your offense a better chance. Oh, he's definitely the yeah he's definitely the safer of the two options that you just okay. presented. So before. if you're a win now then, guy, hey, Mason Rudolph's your me, guy. But ask me which one has a better chance of the Steelers somehow winning the Super Bowl next year. Well, and I'll tell Smitty, you, Smitty, I, th- I think what this boils down to is is that you're basically p- sending a hope and a prayer into a guy like Marcus Mariota pushing the Steelers over the edge this year, and which in in all reality that's just not going to happen. So if if you're hoping for that this year, and I realize that you can't go to guys like T.J. Watt and Minka and Hayward oh, and say I, that we're going to lose yeah. this year, but going back to putting Mason in that spot and really finding out what you have while being able to use the draft and the and the capital that they have this year to shore up the lineup elsewhere and they're going to find out what Mason really is and like I yeah. said if it goes well they're already going to have that spot moving forward and additional resources for next season or it's not going to go well and they're going to be better postured going into next offseason with more draft capital and more um, capital as well. Yeah, I I don't know what I want to be honest with you. All I'm saying is that's the reverse side of the argument is is going to be well if it's Mason Rudolph, then we're basically taking a a year away from being a, like legit contention, but continuing to fill holes on the roster that are so clearly there in the offensive line. Obviously, like you said, they only have two cornerbacks. There, there is one other option with all of this, and I I will be the first to admit that it is a very very unlikely scenario. Don't say Dwayne Haskins. <laughs> Dwayne Haskins figures it out and becomes everything that we think he can be. All I'm saying is I literally spoke to a coach that was on that staff, and they said that there's nothing there. Well, that coach is wrong. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Moving on. All right. Uh, no, th- that's about it for Steelers talk. That was good. Uh, I'm curious to see where a lot of people stand. I know that we're going to have a house divided. Oh, uh, I'm going. I, I so. know I'm getting flamed in the comments. I'm on the yeah, Mason see, Rudolph why, train. I'm hey, getting flamed, play, man. Play both sides, and and you'll be good. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk some pens. I I had to get, especially with the trade den- deadline coming up, I had to get uh, the best voice on hockey on the show however jay fresh is not available so well, I thank you i appreciate on it with us in the next segment but we will be right back this is around the 412 on the dt pittsburgh sports podcast network Welcome back to Around the 412 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm Smitty. That is Danny Shirey. That is Eddie Provident. Tyler Weeks not here with us. By the way, another congratulations. He was getting married this oh, weekend, yeah. which is why he wasn't here. Tyler so. Weeks, married man. Congratulations, bud. Congrats, yeah. Tyler. Yeah. So he also won't be here next week. Uh, we'll see what happens next for next week's show. But uh, we're here now. We're going to talk about some Penn's hockey. Uh, Danny, you are the, the expert 
on this topic. I want to ask you about one specific player. There's been a lot of mention about secondary scoring, the Penguins middle six going out and maybe getting somebody with the trade deadline coming up. I want to ask you about a specific player, though, because this guy just recently a healthy scratch. You've kind of been tampering the expectations of people, even going back to last year when this guy would have his hot streaks. Everybody was clamoring about the way that he was putting the puck in the back of the net, playing alongside of Danny Malkin. Kasperi Kapanen is the name to talk about here first and foremost for us. Uh, like I said, just recently a healthy scratch, gets back into the lineup on Sunday afternoon. Sullivan said that he played you know, a pretty solid game. He liked what he saw. What, what else is he going to say about him? Actions speak louder than words. Like I said, he's recently a healthy scratch. Where are you at with Kasperi Kapanen? Is there any hope about this guy Getting back to some level uh, of of what we saw last year is he even going to be on the Peng- in the Penguins lineup come playoff time. Well, you're absolutely right, and I think even going back to last year, like you mentioned, is that even though Kapanen was putting the puck in the back of the net a little bit and the points were there, I I even wrote a story at one point that said you know everybody needs to be prepared for the goals to stop coming along because almost everything that he was creating was coming off the rush. And while yes, you can absolutely make your living off the rush, it's not a way that you know it's it's not something that you're going to be able to hold up and and something that you're going to be able to rely on when you've got so many other holes in your game. And I think a guy like Kapanen has a tendency to maybe get in his head and, and the confidence can go down when when the puck's not going in the back of the net as frequently for him. Um, the the one silver lining with him is that even as, as poor as he's been playing is that he is still among the top of the NHL in gaining the offensive blue line and w- leading that to some sort of scoring chance or or high danger look. So it's mm. I think the biggest frustration there is that he doesn't use that speed and that tenacity that we've seen before to continue his pursuit to the slot or or the net to and who knows, he, he doesn't even always have to shoot it either. He can maybe do his pirouette when he gets to the bottom of the circle rather when he's at the top of the mm-hmm. circle. Um, but you know it, I think the Penguins are really in a tough spot right now because he is a, a pending restricted free agent and they're at a point now where they've really got to decide you know where guys are going to start to fit into this lineup come when the postseason rolls around and they they do have some pretty big secondary scoring issues right now and if he's not going to be able to figure that out you know you're not you're not banking on a guy like Dominic Simone or or Zach Aston Reese to all all of a sudden see a five or six percent increase in their shooting percentage so they've they've just got a pretty big uh, decision to make regarding that, and um, I think if there's an avenue where you can go get a guy like Connor Garland, who I think should be their top um, top target at the deadline, if if they are going to go out and try and find that scoring winger, I think if you can get a guy like Garland in return um, for a guy like Kapanen, maybe packaged with somebody else, I think you should absolutely do it. So that was going to be my question because obviously no one's going to straight up trade Connor Garland for Kasperi Kapanen. I mean, Jim Rutherford. But if there was somebody, it would be Jim Rutherford. Yeah. So so my two questions on that, Danny, would be, one, cap space, because I believe right now they have $170,000 of cap space to work with. And then two would be, um, who is that other guy? I've heard Dan. uh, Dan, I've heard... um, um, (laughs) <laughs> Why am I want to call John him Marino? John Marino. John, um, I'm yeah, still Dan on, Marino will not be part of that trade. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm still stuck on football from last segment. Um, no, the name that I keep hearing in Vancouver is John Marino. And I don't know. I mean, I, I know you're, we probably defer a little bit on John Marino. Um, 
but I don't know that I want to give up Kapanen and Marino uh, for that scoring winger. I, I feel like that's a little bit of a steep. I would want to see something else come back, maybe a draft pick. Or so. I mean, what what's your? Am I completely out of touch with that, or is that like? I mean, who is that other guy? Is it Pedersen, Marino? Is it uh, Zucker? I mean, like who who else are we are the Penguins going to have to give up to get a Connor Garland? Well, to to answer the first part of your question, the reality is that the Penguins are in such a cap crunch that they're they're not going to be able to add to their roster without detracting from it elsewhere. That that's just the reality right. of it. So you you can make the case that the they the roster that they have now is capable and and they are contenders with it. But I think they're on the at the top of that second group of contenders right. and, not, and not really anywhere near you know the top guys like maybe. Uh, I would even throw Carolina in there, but got teams like Florida, Tampa, um, and, and even Colorado. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm not throwing the Penguins in that discussion, and I definitely think that they could, uh, you know, even get lucky in a series against those guys and, and take any of them down. But I think, <clears throat> as we've seen, is that to, to really – legitimize their their cup chances they could really benefit from having another guy that's going to be able to put the puck in the back of the net and as i said a few minutes ago i really think garland should be that top uh target and i like you said eddie another guy uh alongside kapanen if he's the one to go is going to have to go with them to make the money work and i i touched on this in my drive to the net column last week and and kind of explored what that might look like if it were a a kapanen and marino package going the other Mm -hmm. way so i've i've seen uh a ton of people and I, i know marino's the one that's uh, you know, supposed to be Vancouver's target, and it makes sense that Rutherford's interested in over him over there because he was obviously the, the one that signed Marino to the extension right. here. Um, and I, I know the Penguins don't have very much right-handed uh, defense depth either, even though you know we've seen the emergence of Mark Friedman. Even though he's been playing really well, I kind of think he's still a bit of a mystery box. And you know, whether this is something that can hold mm-hmm. up, is it something where you know he could play on the second pairing? I'm not so sure. Um, but I'm probably one of the very few people that would rather hang on to Marcus Pedersen than John Marino. Um, and that that's even considering that the Penguins have guys like POJ in, in the, uh, waiting in the in the balance as well and even you so Ricola and the, and the reason behind that is because I think they view I think they view Marino as a guy that can add a little bit more offensively but the reality is that <clears throat> he more than any other penguins defenseman is mitigating the penguins offense mm-hmm. um and their ability to generate high quality chances. And, you know, he, he is very solid defensively, but the, the other side of that is that Marcus Pedersen is just as good, if not better defensively, and he's not mitigating the Penguins offensive attack as much. Do you put it, do you buy into them uh, making Pedersen a healthy scratch uh, against um, Carolina on Sunday? Uh, well, quite frankly, I think if if anybody was deserving, it was probably Brian Dumoulin, which was b- before we found out, uh, you know, when when he was scratched with a with a non covid illness. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that was my first thought it was like, wow, they actually scratched Dumoulin. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't think Pedersen's play necessarily warranted that. But I also don't blame the coaching staff for toying around and, and getting creative right now to really see what they have. Yeah. 
you mentioned POJ. I want to ask you, and, and it is because, and you touched on this a little bit, but like, I understand the first thought when you take away Marino from that right side is, oh, there was the guy that we thought was kind of the heir to Latang's minutes on the right side, at least after Marino's rookie year. But, and they ha- have way more depth on the left side. Would POJ, do you think that the best utilization of POJ would actually be as a trade asset? Yeah, I mean, especially with the emergence of Friedman, and I know he's kind of fallen out of favor this season as well, but even a guy like Rikola, if he has to step in and play some third-pairing minutes, he's he's absolutely more than capable of doing so. And again, I'm probably not as high on on Joseph as most others are. Um, I, I think he can be and probably is an NHL player. To what degree that may be, I don't know. Um, but, you know, if if he's, you know, something you can dangle in a in a deal for a guy like Garland, I, he he's not the kind of guy that I, I think you have to keep around. Yeah, yeah, I'm I just never, saying if there's another organization that views this guy as like, oh, he's still like a top prospect. I don't want him to lose that luster just sitting in a press box. You know what I mean? Like while he still has some trade value as maybe this high end prospect, I'd rather move on from him if he's not going to play. Right. And so uh, not to keep touching on the the Marino Pedersen thing, but the other concern I have is that <clears throat> if you do move on from Pedersen, and I know Marino does have really good defensive impacts, but I think Pedersen really takes more of the brunt of that physical impact on the defensive side. So if you move on from a guy like him <clears throat> and you just try and slot Joseph into that spot, um, and again, I'm never going to be one of those guys that says you need to go out there and get a bunch of big, tough guys that can you know throw hits or whatever but I do think there is maybe a legitimate concern to be had there with you know a a middle pairing of Joseph and and Marino who we both know are not the biggest guys in the world and Marino already despite his very good defensive impacts already has some net front issues so that's that's Mm -hmm. where my mind goes when we're having the discussion about uh, you know we we can have these conversations about who's marginally better and, and what impacts they have but I think there's other variables in play that that aren't being considered so then i guess my question for you then would be um if they it seems like the organization is doesn't like doesn't they don't seem to want to move marino if they don't have to at least that's the vibe that i get so then do you really think they're going to do anything uh because I, i think realistically unless somebody you get lucky and somebody just decides to take a flyer on kapanen or zucker um, I don't really see them having the ability to go out and get anybody uh, without giving up something that I don't think they want to give up because I'm not sure they want to give up Pedersen either. I mean, I know they have so like you like we've been saying they have some defensive depth, but um, I don't know that they're gonna have if they're they're gonna want to give up the guys they'd have to give up to open up cap space to bring in so bring in a, you know even not Connor Garland but like even maybe like a a, a middle guy you know like a a, a lower level um, you know trade deadline uh, target. So, I mean, do you really think that at the end of the day, it's realistic that they do anything major? If you would have asked me that a couple of weeks ago, I probably would have said no. Um, but just, and and this is completely going off vibes here. We're, we're just yeah, playing yeah. off vibes, baby. But uh, <laughs> I, I get the sense that, that 
Hextall's going to surprise us. He's built up this reputation as a guy that really sits back and, and keeps to himself and doesn't make much noise and, and never really makes a splash. And last year, he really made the the quiet move going after Carter, and that was basically all he did, right? So, but I think him and and the front office and and Brian Burke understand that there's legitimately this season and probably next where the Penguins are at least going to have a chance to compete for a Stanley Cup with with Crosby, Malkin, mm-hmm. and Latang, assuming that Malkin and Latang are still here next year, and and that's a different conversation to be had. But I I think that they understand that the time is now to really do something, and I, I, I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to go out and make some big splash, but I think that they understand that if if they're going to do something to truly make an impact and put this team over the top, that it's got to happen now. Yeah. You know who it's, it's it's just wild to me. We just talked about all these defensemen, right? And ones we can move on from. Not once did we mention Mike Matheson because of the way that he's played this year. And it's just he, like he's I completely out of the question now. Yeah, no, he, he's he's actually become like I, I don't know if I'd say he's worth his contract yet, but he's getting close to it. it but but that's that's the, my point is <clears throat> yeah. you know up until you know I, he's played pretty well all season, but like you know, coming into this season, it was how can we get rid of this contract? We need to move on from it literally yeah. as soon as we can. Uh, and now he's on the top top uh, pair with Latang. And Danny, you just mentioned you know Brian Dumlin getting back in the lineup. He was not put right back with Chris Latang, as as many of us would have thought would have been the case. So, uh, but I want to ask you. So we're talking about all these guys. You know, I, I guess my question is. I get the sense that you feel like they do need to add something. Um, would you, you felt that way though, even before we haven't touched on it yet, but Brock McGinn now going to be out for probably a, a good portion here of time with, with that upper same upper body injury. Pretty clearly it's, it's a wrist or hand injury. Um, but did you feel this way about adding somebody for the middle six, like even before the Brock McGinn injury? And now it kind of amplifies that. Yeah, I did. And, and even more so just because, you know, assuming everybody got healthy down the line, I, I had kind of penciled McGinn into that that fourth line spot with Bluger and, and Aston Reese. So I, I had always planned on, uh, you know, needing another another person that can put the puck in the back of the net, uh, preferably on the right wing in in the middle six. So um, and obviously with Jason Zucker coming back, uh, I know I'm probably the last person in Penguins land that still has a, a lick of faith in that guy, especially considering he's um, been out with an injury for half the regular season games that he's been on the roster with the Penguins with. Um, and I, I actually wrote earlier this year that um, I thought Zucker finding his scoring touch could be bigger than any potential trade that the Penguins would end mm-hmm. up making, but that yeah. was all. That was also before he went on to shoot six percent for another three or four weeks, and that was also before he went on to have core muscle surgery. So, are you really mm-hmm. expecting a guy that's you know missed fifty games over the past two seasons and just had a, a somewhat major surgery to come back and augment your scoring? I'm not so sure. So that that's really what I'm fresh. At. Yeah, he'll be fresh, maybe. <laughs> hey, Jay, fresh. <laughs> yeah, I, I. It's man, I, I just don't see them. You know, it's funny because we two what maybe a month ago, month and a half ago, we were you know all excited about the you know the secondary scoring they were getting and you know how guys like Evan Rodriguez were you know pumping the net and, and Brock yeah. McGinn was scoring Danton Heinen. Now, again, in the last few games, these guys seem to have found that touch again. But I remember a couple months ago, it was all about get a backup goalie, get a backup goalie, get a backup goalie. And now all of a sudden, you know, 
we that's another thing we haven't touched on once in this conversation is backup goalie and i still don't know that i'm cool with going into the playoffs with casey DeSmith as your number two yeah my thing is uh, like that i was so worried about was like watch casey to smith play well until after the trade deadline and then fall back to what we saw early in the season but uh eddie i, I you didn't have the show notes before but it's just like you keep going to where i want to go to because this is how i wanted to wrap well, you know up what the they show. say great minds think alike i wonder if it's and probably the same for, same for not so great minds <laughs> <laughs> It very well could be. But yeah, we're talking about like a lack of secondary scoring. However, over the last week, we've seen that not be the case. Dan Heinen's fine in the back of the net again. We saw Ivan Rodriguez. He's, the only goal he scored was an empty netter, but uh, he kind of, he, he looks like a different player again, jumping back up into that second line role playing on Gino's right wing along with Dan Heinen. I thought that they had a really strong game yesterday afternoon. So I think that, you know, Danny, I, I want to ask you, like, do you watching them over the last week or so, not that top unit? By the way, they won Sunday's game without that top unit doing anything. Um, do you have some more hope for what they could do from their secondary scoring? Or is it like this is just a small sample size? We know what this team really has. They definitely need something. Well, there, there's no doubt in my mind that guys like Carter, Rodriguez, and, and even Kapanen are going through and enduring some of the worst percentage luck of their careers, right? So, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're not going to keep going 20, 15-game stretches without a goal. That's that's just not realistic. But I think there's also something to consider there where luck has played a factor, and that is that these guys haven't necessarily been swimming in chances either. And, and guys like Heinen and Rodriguez, who, yes, I think they have been playing better, there's also guys like Carter and Kapanen and who have kind of been status quo for a while now and you're kind of just sitting there with the stick poking them like waiting for do something do something do something (laughs) um and and to even kind of just shift around here i think a guy like carter uh is is probably better suited on the wing at this stage of his career Mm. and and i'm i'm surprised let's be honest you're just biased I, I am not biased. I, I will not stand for this. Listen, I, I woke up and found out Jeff Carter was playing center. Go back to Listen, I, I, I really like the guy and, and I want to see him be successful with the Penguins. Obviously, that's in my best interest. But f- from what I've seen, uh, especially over the past, you know, three, four months is, is a guy that is is not in a position where he can take on the burden of of being a third line defensive center where he's taking the and and even if he's on the wing he can continue to take faceoffs but the the defensive responsibility especially of a third line center that's fair. is, yeah, is that's an fair. awfully tough task especially for the amount of skating that he has to do and then you're also asking him to be a transition guy and, and head man the breakout and be in all the right spots at the right time and I just don't see a guy that's able to drive play enough in that spot okay so what what's so what's the answer there is it evan rodriguez back to third lines i just talked about evan rodriguez playing well in that second wing but uh right i actually think rodriguez is probably better at center and i think that his skills are a little more uh well utilized at center but then that all goes back to okay well are you counting on kapanen to be the guy on on malkin's wing or are you going to go out and get a guy like garland so you know i'm i'm glad that i'm not the one that has to figure this all out and and make it all work and make the tough decisions um but i i don't think that it's as black and white as is you know well Carter goes to the wing and you move Rodriguez to center. I, I think there's a lot more moving pieces there. Could, all right. So then my last bit of two cents will be this. So 
obviously we all agree that the first line doesn't get touched. Uh, second uh, line, I uh, I could get into an argument about breaking it up if we really want to go there. In the interest of time, we'll do that another time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, I heard that uh, I heard that uh, Smitty's uh, co-host won't be in next week. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't know if um, he'll put up with us next week. <laughs> Um, no, so okay. Let's just let's say first line stays the same. Um, so second line, what we keep in Heinen up there with on the second um, line? Yes, in, keep, keep yeah, Heinen keep Heinen, there, keep Heinen in the second line. So what if you moved Carter to the second line wing, and then <sighs> and then third line becomes Rodriguez, Pustinen. Oh, and you trade whole separate conversation again, and then you trade Casperi uh, Kapanen for cap space for a backup goalie. Look, I, I am very, very excited about Pustin, and I, th- I think he had a pretty good NHL debut, but I am not at a point where I'm ready to say that, you know, he's he's ready to be the, the third-line fixture and a, and a guy that they're going to be able to rely or on to make a run there. you've got Pustinen, Connor, Zahorna, all with have shown decent NHL pedigree so far. I mean, I'm not you saying... You talking about Drew O'Connor? Be, yeah, Drew O'Connor. Okay, yeah. Uh, so why don't you just cycle those three... And kind of have, you know, like just you know, whoever keep the hot hand in and, uh, you know, this fill is running that, back by committee. Yeah. Fill that gap. <laughs> fill, fill that spot like that. Yeah, by I, committee. I mean, I'm not against it. And I'm I'm still very intrigued by all of Zohorna, Pustin and, and O'Connor. I um, thought Zohorna had a great game on Sunday against Carolina for, you know, what they were asking him to do. He, he showed a lot of hustle. I like his size. I mean, I, mean, he, I thought he played good. Yeah, I, I I saw a lot of the things that I've I've come to notice from him that that make him effective. I did think he I'm not sure if it was nerves <clears throat> nerves from just getting back in into the NHL. I I thought there were a couple plays where his reads weren't as great and and maybe he fumbled yeah. the puck and um but you know that that's not something to fixate on over I don't even know how many minutes he played but I would assume it's somewhere in the the 10 to 12 range so that that's mm-hmm. not something that is is overly concerning um but yeah th- those guys are all intriguing but I think it all boils down to is that the penguins have guys that can fill in on that third and fourth line and and not crater you with their ice time they need a guy that's going to be able to put the puck in the back of the net preferably on the second line at five on five. And, yep. and you know, Kapanen hasn't shown an ability to do that. Pustinen, while he is a very encouraging prospect, he's not necessarily a guy that well, I'm expecting to come in and do that either. Well, no, I, I, again, I, my thought was Carter on the second line with Malkin and, and uh, Heinen, and then Pustin and dropping into the bottom six. I, I like that. I I was encouraged from what I saw when Carter was on that on that right wing yeah. with with Malkin and Heinen. I I wrote about that as well, and and some of the things I saw, and and kind of transitioning Carter into a spot where he can be more of a trigger guy. Yeah. Um, and I think it would bode well for them. I think that uh, you you couple that with you know you, you kind of use Pustin and O'Connor and uh, and. Um, uh, as a Horna, you know, as like kind of, you know, cycling them through. Also, I think that that bodes well for someone like Kapanen who, you know, you're you're taking pressure off of him to not be the guy in a top six, and you just, you know, hopefully just tell him, hey, go go play your game and and try to get the puck in the net. You know. Hey, by the way, Zahorna did play the least amount of time among Penguins forwards. Actually, all Penguins, uh, nine minutes forty-one seconds. Second least, you guessed it, Kasperi Kapanen, ten minutes and forty seconds of ice time. Yeah, so 
I mean, I'm I'm okay with basically taking the pressure off of Kapanen if you're going to keep him around. I don't really know what else. Uh, I don't know what else to do at this point in time. Last thing, because when you transition, you also mentioned this: Is Casey DeSmith going to be the backup goaltender for the Penguins when playoffs roll around? Yes. Okay. Okay. Don't know. Eddie, where are you at? Do you, do you feel that way as well? I'm at, I'm at my house. I'm in the basement at my desk. <laughs> no, um, no, I'm not. Uh, I think DeSmith will be the backup. I'm not crazy about that, but I don't. I don't see them going and getting a backup because I just don't think that the backup goaltender market at the trade deadline. I don't think goaltender market in general. <laughs> at the deadline is going to be any good. I don't know that you're going to be able to find anybody that's um, that the Penguins can afford that's going to be much of an upgrade. And I so I, I just think at the end of the day, they're going to stick with what they have there. And then I, I'm with Danny. I think they'll probably try to bolster the top six in some they're way. Gonna, they're going to stick with Mason Rudolph. Yeah. <laughs> Casey Smith. No, they're going with Dwayne Hatton. Okay. <laughs> what's hey? What's the better percentage? Kasperi Kapanen finds his scoring touch, or Mason Rudolph actually is a good quarterback? Oh, ah, <laughs> uh, let's go with I'll I'll take Rudolph on that one. Oh man, I I see I I am eating so much crow. Listen, so for as good as my Penguins preseason prediction was on Danton Heinen. It's been equally as bad that I also said that Kasperi Kapanen would score 30-plus goals. I said the same thing. I told my brother-in-law when he came to uh, training camp with me, I said, this dude's going to be the next star for the Penguins. <laughs> star. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I was like, oh, I was all in on that's him. That's great. Yeah. Um. Okay, give me, give me one name to wrap this up that the Penguins acquire. Tyler Weeks. Yeah. <laughs> I already, I already right. gave you my name. It, it, it's Connor Garland. I, it, that, Do you think that that actually happens? I, That's what I I'm asking. I think he's a more realistic option than a guy like Brock Besser, and I think he's a okay. better fit for what the Penguins need. I would rather have Connor Owen than Brock Besser. Well, I would too, and the, and the simple fact is, is that he's been one of the league's most efficient point producers at five-on-five five over the past several seasons, even more so than Besser. Besser's a guy that really relies on his release and his shot, and even yeah. more so on the power play, and, and really relies on his, his line mates to create space and time for him, and that's not what the Penguins need right now. Yes, they need a guy with his shot, but more so they need a guy that's going to be able to not only put the puck in the back of the net, but help them create that those chances and that space offensively as well and he can do that yeah and to add to that danny and i i haven't i mean i'm not as in tune with uh with the you know who who's going to be available to deadline as you are but in the little bit of research i've done on that i don't see anybody again this is kind of the same thing with the goalie situation i don't see anybody that moves the needle enough to give up what you're going to have to give up to bring somebody back other than Connor garland I mean, I really think it's him or bust for the Penguins because there's just, like what you'll have to give up again to to open cap space up. He's really the only one to me that I'd be I'd be okay with. You know, I don't know unless there's like a, a, a dark horse name that I'm not thinking that I don't know about. But yeah, I'm with you, Connor Garland. Okay, I'm 100 percent on board with this, so I will take Connor Garland in a Penguins uniform. I know our boy uh, Doug Glatke will take that as well. He's been banging that drum for a while, so. Uh, I think that about does it, unless you boys got anything else, but we covered a lot on this episode, yeah. ranging in all sports. So other than, hey, March Madness is going to be going on, too. So yes, sir. don't know who we got there, but those uh, fill out those brackets. <laughs> yep. 
Uh, but other than that, be sure to subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, leave us a comment, let us know about anything, any opinions that you might have about anything that we touched on during the show. Uh, other than that, for Smitty, for Danny, for Eddie, this has been Around the 4 and 2 on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network, and we will see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.